Hey friend, do you ever find yourself wanting a personal word from God? You're in a situation or you'd really like to know what to do and you just want that personal word like from God. But do you believe that you can truly receive a personal word from God? Do you really believe it? Most of my life, even though I was a Christian, I'm not sure I did. Or I thought that it just meant studying my Bible and learning to understand and apply what I read. Is there something more? Today, we're going to talk about biblical or Christian meditation. And you're not going to want to miss this. It wasn't until just a few years ago that I began learning how to meditate. I didn't even call it that because I didn't realize at first that's what I was doing. And while I didn't have a friend to walk alongside me and give me tips and guidance as I practiced this spiritual discipline, you do, because we're going to talk all things meditation today. And I'm going to share with you how through meditation, God wants you to hear his voice, giving you confidence and security in his guidance and constant presence with you. I love this subject, so I can't wait. Let's dive in. Looking for something more in this middle season of life? Lie awake at night wondering what God wants you to do and how to hear His voice clearly? I see you, sister. We're in the messy middle. Hey, I'm Angie, midlife mentor and missionary. I was busy chasing all the things when one day I woke up in the middle, and it didn't look at all like I expected. I realized my faith was too flimsy to handle all the stuff midlife was throwing at me, and I wanted to serve God with my gifts, but I just couldn't get any traction until God pulled me out of the mess and put my feet on the path to a life of peace and purpose right here in the middle. In this podcast, you'll discover the next steps God has for you in this season, new ways to go deeper than ever before with Jesus, and biblical tools to walk this journey with more of everything God wants for you. You ready? Come on, we're not sleeping anyway, so pop in those earbuds and let's talk. Jumping right into the subject of meditation, biblical Christian meditation, we're going to answer three questions today. First, why meditation? Like, what is the purpose? Second, what is biblical meditation? Where do we find it in the Bible? And third, what's different about biblical meditation? We'll do a quick comparison with New Age and secular forms so that you can recognize what is and is not biblical meditation. Because like everything good that God has created, the enemy has a counterfeit he would like to confuse us with. All right, so first, why meditation? What's the purpose? I'm sure you've noticed in our society today, and I think this is even more true for those of us in midlife walking this messy middle, there are three big things that occupy us and preoccupy us. Noise, hurry, and crowds. These three things work against us to consume us, to control us. It's like a conspiracy to keep us from hearing God's voice, sister. Think about the noise everywhere you go. Constant noise, voices, music, TV, telephones, advertising, day and night. When is there ever silence? And we have to fill that silence. That's the way we feel. 
Are we afraid of silence, afraid of what we might hear in the silence of our own minds and hearts, or afraid of what God might say to us in the silence? And then there's hurry. Hurry is also this productivity, get more done, do more in less time, multitasking, more activities, so much that we can't even keep up with it all on our calendars. And yet, in all of this hurry and productivity, we're still unfulfilled. We still feel like we have not done enough, that we ourselves are not enough. Did you know that there are actually people today who are addicted, physically addicted to stress? It's not a joke. It's a real thing. When do we slow down or better yet, stop? And then crowds or just think of it as other people. It's not that being with other people is a bad thing, of course. But what if we feel that we must have others around us? What if we resist being alone? Something is going on within us if this is the case. And another thing, have you ever been with other people or even just another person and still felt completely alone or lonely? Without realizing it, we can often end up depending on others, holding on to others for our worth, our value, our security. We even expect others or someone else to meet our deepest heart, soul needs, when the reality is that only God can do that. Now, each of us has a slightly different take on these three things, the noise, the hurry, and the crowds, as far as which one really catches us, like which one is for me might be different for you. And it also changes from season to season. But these are the obstacles that the enemy wants to so fill our lives with that we cannot hear God's voice. These can and often will be good things. But in the end, if we have no empty space, no silence, no calm, quietness, no solitude, we live this way and we wonder why we can't hear God's voice. We wonder how we can have a life in which God speaks and we can recognize his voice, that we, we want to see him at work every day where he's active and leading us. This is why we need help. <laughs> because it is so difficult to hear God's voice with all of this going on. And that help comes to us through spiritual disciplines and practices. Now, let me be clear. Practices, things that we do, have no inherent value. They do not save us. They do not make us better so that God will love us and accept us. But like any relationship, our practices, that is what we do, can either help grow and strengthen that relationship to become more intimate. Or if we are not practicing, we are not doing certain things, we're neglecting the relationship or we're weakening or even damaging it. So why do we study the Bible, meditate, pray, or engage in any of the other spiritual practices or disciplines? A spiritual discipline or practice is just a way of intentionally creating space, open and free space in our life where God can move and speak and we can hear. Okay. That is the why. Now, second, what exactly is the spiritual practice of biblical meditation? I'm going to tell you something that sounds so simple, you're going to think there should be something more. But in the simplicity is hidden a great treasure. So make note of this. Christian meditation 
is the ability to hear God's voice and obey his word. Those two things, hearing God's voice and then doing or obeying what he tells us. Christian meditation is based on the truth as revealed in God's word, the scripture, the Bible, that our great God of the universe, our creator and good father, desires to fellowship with us, commune with us. He just wants to be with us, sister, if we aren't overwhelmed by the noise, consumed by the hurry, or distracted by the crowds. Now, I know the word meditation conjures up a lot of mixed reactions and thoughts for people, such as the idea that it is New Age or a practice of Eastern religions. We're going to talk about those concerns in a minute. But first, I just want to reclaim this word, meditation, for God and not avoid using it because the enemy has twisted it and wants to claim it as his own. And you know, that's usually a pretty good sign that there is something good that he does not want us to experience. But the truth is that meditation has a solid biblical basis. The Bible uses several different Hebrew words to communicate this idea of meditation with meanings like listening to God's word, reflecting on God's works or his creation, remembering all the things that God has done, concentrating or ruminating on God's law, imagining, pondering, and so many more. Let me just read one verse. We're going to read Psalm 1, verses 2 and 3. I will put more references in the episode notes with other texts in the Bible that mention meditation. But in Psalm 1, verses 2 and 3, those who delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night, they are like trees planted on the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Now that sounds like a blessing to me. (laughs) If you think about it, back at creation in the Garden of Eden, God and man were in constant communion. It was sin that broke that fellowship. Adam and Eve went into hiding. God continued to reach out. And the Bible is filled with the stories of God reaching out, speaking and acting and teaching and guiding. When we look at biblical characters, God spoke to them, sister, not because they had special abilities, but because they were willing to learn, to recognize, and to listen to the voice of God. You may know the story of Samuel. He was just a boy when he was taken to the temple, and he was learning from the priest, Eli. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, Samuel is in his room, and he is preparing for sleep. When he hears a voice call his name, he thinks that it is the priest Eli, and so he goes to Eli. But Eli says, it wasn't me. I didn't call you. Go back and go to sleep. Samuel returns to his room. This happens another two or three times with this voice calling Samuel. He thinks it's Eli and Eli sends him back to his room until Eli realizes it's the voice of the Lord calling Samuel. And he tells Samuel, the next time you hear the voice, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Verse 7 in 1 Samuel 3 tells us about this experience that Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So this was the first time that he was hearing God's voice and he was learning by listening. 
In Jesus' life, of course, we find his intimate relationship with the Father, and he modeled for us the reality of this life of listening and obeying God's word. Mark 1, verse 35, Jesus had the habit of going to a solitary place. I would say that would be away from the noise and the hurry and the crowds to spend time with his father. And in John 5, verses 19 and 30, Jesus tells us that he speaks and acts only based on what the father tells him. He is hearing the father's voice and he is obeying. Now, Jesus taught the disciples and he teaches us that we are to live the same way he did in intimate relationship with him and the father. Just as the branch is connected to the vine, it draws its life, it bears fruit because it's growing out of the vine, as he tells us in John chapter 15. One of my favorite passages is in John chapter 10. And Jesus is talking about the shepherd and his sheep. And you know that I've told you in other episodes, living here in Romania, we have shepherds and their sheep all over the hills around us. So I always have this picture and I just love how it always reminds me of Jesus as our shepherd. In verse four of this John chapter 10, Jesus says, after he, the shepherd, has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because... They know his voice. Sister, Jesus has called you. He has called me to follow him. And how important is it that we know his voice? In John 16, Jesus promised his disciples that the spirit would be his life in them and with them. This spirit of truth speaking to them and guiding them. And all through the book of Acts, after the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was given. We see the disciples, the young church, the early believers, God's people learning to live on the basis of hearing God's voice and obeying what they hear, obeying his word. Sister, we are to live the same way. This is the life that Jesus' life and death and resurrection has assured for us to be restored to that unbroken communion with God that we were created to enjoy. Biblical meditation is one important method. It's one spiritual discipline that helps us intentionally create space for God to speak and for us to hear, to listen, growing in the awareness of his presence and guidance in everything. All right, our third and final point today, what's different about biblical meditation? How does it compare to other kinds of meditation that we hear about everywhere? So let's take a quick look at four ways in which biblical meditation is different from New Age or secular meditation. First, filling instead of emptying. Christian meditation wants to fill the mind. Eastern meditation tries to empty the mind. The two ideas are quite different, of course. Eastern meditation thinks of detaching from the world, losing your personhood and individuality, merging with the cosmic mind or power. The ultimate goal is detachment and reaching toward nirvana. Biblical meditation, on the other hand, is separating ourselves from the noise and the hurry and the crowds for the purpose of concentrating on God. 
for the purpose of interacting with the infinite and yet personal God who is our creator. By intentionally creating this space, we are cooperating with God's grace. It is God who wants to free us, detach us from our dependence and hanging on to that which does not satisfy in this world. He wants to detach us so that we can become the uniquely gifted and beloved daughters he created us to be, whole and holy, growing continually in greater, more complete attachment to him. Number two, relationship, not religious psychological manipulation. Sometimes people are encouraged to practice various forms of meditation to lower their blood pressure, respond to stress, or reduce anxiety. Biblical meditation is not just a human activity that I do for psychological or even physiological benefits. Biblical meditation is a relational experience. It's an encounter between God and me. It is quite possible that this relationship with our Creator, who knows our minds and bodies better than we know ourselves, will have visible benefits. In my own experience, I found that my time spent in meditation with God did empower me to live beyond extreme stress at a very difficult time in my life. It gave me mental and emotional strength and peace, but that was not the reason I was meditating. And it wasn't my human activity that produced those benefits. As I realized God's presence and guidance in my everyday moments, his life transformed me and gave me that peace, that strength. Number three, loving God and others, not self-centered. Some people believe that meditation is impractical, that it could lead to an unhealthy kind of otherworldliness, that we won't be interested in the people around us, you know, helping people, serving people, or it'll detach us from the real world. But completely different from the Eastern and New Age emphasis on detaching from the world and losing yourself in the cosmic mind, biblical meditation is communing, fellowshipping, and becoming more attached to the God who is love, love in action, love in everything, love that returns to him and pours out to others. From him and our time with him, we receive insights and guidance for the very real practical relationships and things of our human life. When I was first learning to meditate, I was being squeezed in the middle of some really strained and complicated family relationships. There were also a lot of other stresses going on in my life at the same time. What I began to realize was how God would use my time of meditation to speak to me. And it was, in fact, during this time that I can honestly say I first came to know what the Holy Spirit's voice sounded like to me, and I would receive direction, clarity about how to think and what to do in whatever situation or relationship was really a problem at that moment. It was completely practical, totally grounded in scripture, and yet absolutely beyond my human wisdom, my human love, my human patience. And I was able to go out from my secret place of meditation and prayer and worship filled with his love, his forgiveness, his peace and strength. He was living through me, transforming me in my daily life and in my relationships. That brings us to our final point, which speaks to a concern that some Christians have about meditation. 
Number four, hear and obey, not feelings without faith. Biblical meditation is not about feelings without faith. Some Christians are concerned that meditation is emotionalism or depending on our feelings. But authentic biblical meditation is not about mushy feelings or emotions. Sometimes there are emotions, but sometimes not. But the purpose of meditation is to sit in God's presence with intimacy and reverence. Understanding that keeps us balanced. And related to this, meditation does not replace the study of the Bible. Meditation and study are two separate spiritual disciplines, and both are necessary. Unfortunately, it's easy for one or the other to be emphasized. Different denominations and confessions tend to be stronger in one direction or the other many times, but if either one is neglected, we are missing out on an important element for cultivating our spiritual health. Now, we want to avoid extremes in either direction. There are legitimate concerns. If we are focused on just our feelings, and when we don't have those right feelings, we begin to doubt that God loves us, we begin to doubt our faith, doubt that we are forgiven, we're looking in the wrong place, and that is not spiritually healthy. However, the opposite is also true. We can emphasize study, the intellectual side of things, and miss out on what God wants to share with us through spiritual practices that are less intellectual, shall we say. Remember, we are called to love God with our mind, our heart, our soul, and strength. That's all of our being. I grew up in a church that emphasized Bible study, and I'm thankful for that. And as a natural intellectual, yes, I'm definitely a nerd, I get excited about studying new concepts and understandings. But study, exegesis, word comparisons, analysis, all of that, while important, and yes, God does communicate through that spiritual discipline, study is not the same as meditation. And God has more for us that he wants to give us through meditation as well as study. For example, the personal application that we use when we're studying is our application of the concepts we're learning. But in meditation, we are going to let God make the personal application to our life, and we are going to learn to listen with our heads and with our hearts. So biblical meditation is not about feelings without faith. It is about hearing and obeying. Remember the definition I gave you earlier? Biblical meditation is the ability to hear God's voice and obey his word. Far from getting lost in our own emotions or detaching and attempting to move toward nirvana, as God's word through meditation enters our minds and descends into our hearts, we become different people. God's word gradually becomes flesh in us and transforms our whole being the ultimate goal being to restore God's image in us, for us to grow daily in Christ-likeness. Sister, in the next episode, I will explain how to actually practice biblical Christian meditation. We'll go through an example in scripture so you can see what I do, and I'll break it down in easy steps so you can begin to practice and experience the blessing of God's presence and direction in your life through this spiritual discipline of meditation. Until then, I encourage you to pray for God to fill you with the desire and the grace 
to begin seeking him through biblical meditation. And if you have questions, join us in the Realize More with God Facebook group. It's for Christian women who are walking this journey in the messy middle. Post your question and I'll answer. You'll find the link to the group in the episode notes. I pray this blesses you. Real quick before you go, if this podcast blessed you in some way, I would so appreciate it if you would share it with another sister in the middle. And the number one way you can bless me is to leave a written review for the show over on Apple Podcasts. I read each review and love knowing what's touched you, and I get inspired hearing from you. You can also send me a DM and let me know how I can pray for you or give me an idea of what you would like me to talk about on the show. I'll meet you back here same time next week. Until then, walk in God's grace and peace.